welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shannick. And we're glad that you're joining us. We got a great episode on deck for you today. But if you haven't already, go leave a review. We have 86 now reviews on Spotify. No, on Apple. Apple. Pod- yeah, Apple so all 86 of you who took out time to write us a review, we specifically are thankful for you. Thank you. You are our favorite. And we have 26 stars on Spotify. If you listen on YouTube, welcome joining us on YouTube. Leave a review write a comment, share this on your socials. We appreciate all the love and support. Yeah. And I appreciate you counting all of those. <laughs> I just looked just now. I didn't count. I just saw. Okay. And it says exactly how many? Yeah. Or you have to count them? No, no, no. It tells you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't well, know. I go to read them. I didn't it. know it counted them. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. We're almost to a hundred. So that would be amazing to get there sooner rather than later. Do it. All there right. goes so... your brother just flying by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and his, uh, Pimped out side by 60 side. miles an hour in the church parking lot. Love <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. So it's your birthday week. It's my birthday week. Yep. Your birthday's happening on Thursday. April 27th. So I thought it would be good my to Venmo ask you. My Venmo is out there. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo. I know you uh, want new golf clubs too. So. And I'm a lefty. I had one good round and it was a scramble. <laughs> I posted that on Facebook this week. One good I round. I already want new clubs. Teddy just put me on blast. Thank you, Teddy Varen. Little shout out to him. He was my golf partner. He's like, it was a scramble. Chill out, bro. Yeah. But I was shooting really well. So now I want new clubs. Yeah. No, I get it. That's how golf, it sucks you in it and sucks then you just right in. spits you out. Just breaks your heart. You have to play so much. Middle school girlfriend. All right. So question of the week, because it's your birthday week, you'll be 36 years old. I'm curious. Would your 10-year-old self be happy with the you at 36? That's a deep question right off the bat. Yeah. My immediate answer is no, and here's why. Because <laughs> I'm not a professional hockey player. 10? What, what's 10? 10 is grade? Fourth grade. Th- grade grade 4? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think. In, in grade 4, I was all about hockey, so I that was my dream until like middle school, I'm going to be a pro hockey player. And then it was a dream of mine, even through college. And then it never happened. Yeah. But, but surely like your 10 year old self would like dab you up on pulling Julia. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. My 18 year old self will probably be proud of who I am today. But yeah, 10, I think I wanted to be a pro athlete more than anything. So the yeah. only thing I remember about grade four was my teacher. I had a teacher named Mrs. McCoy. Shout out to Miss McCoy because I know she listens and she posts on my Facebook still to this day. Really? So, yeah. That, how many years That's ago? That's awesome. And she loved me. But the only story I remember was I had a friend of mine. His name was CJ. I wasn't allowed to hang out with CJ. We were at the urinals during a bathroom break, and he called Mrs. McCoy a butthole. And I agreed with him. And Jack Burdan was in the stall and heard and told the teacher on me that I was the one that said it, even though I just agreed. And then I had to go meet the principal <laughs> that day. So that's the only thing I remember from grade really? four. So yes and no <laughs> is the answer. So I wasn't paying attention to much much in life. I was calling my teachers buttholes, buttholes. or agreeing with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say for me, um, if I, yeah, if I can answer that question, um, I think I would say yes, only because I remember a few things from fourth grade, not a lot, I remember I did want to play for Indiana University and Bobby Knight. I wanted to be Steve Alford. Um, that obviously didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but two other things. One, I wanted to be a pastor. And 
At it fourth was, grade, you already knew that? I kind of knew that. I, of course, I idolized my dad. I loved the church, everything about it, even as a kid. Um, I actually got my first prophetic word in fourth grade, 10 years old. I tell the story a lot. Hmm. Um, and the person saw me in ministry and all of that. And so I didn't really, in fourth grade, shy away from that. I'm like, okay, that'd be awesome. It's like the best job in the world. I love ministry and people and helping. So so I would say mostly yes. Um yeah, and the only other thing I remember from fourth grade, you know that um, that song, it's like a, well, you're not really a country um, music fan, and we found that out this past week when you were mentioning Morgan Waller yeah, Cody, from I stage Cody <laughs> instead of Morgan Wallen. Um, he, he buried me. But there was this old school song, and I honestly, at this point, I can't even remember the artist, but um, the song was called Check Yes or No, like, do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? It's all about like, it happened way back in third grade. I think the song goes, well, I sent, um, I sent this, this check or this, this check, this, this note, um, to a check to, uh, well, let me, let me rephrase this to a dude. Hold on. Okay. I'm getting the story <laughs> all wrong. So these two chicks on? got together and they sent me the note and they said, Hey, we both really like you. Do you Ooh. like one of us? And they put the names down, and I had to check one over the other. In fourth grade? In fourth grade. That's dicey. And I checked one, and in fourth grade, we ended up having like a, I don't know, 18-month relationship in fourth and fifth grade. And that's like an eternity. Oh, my God, that's grade. like married did 30 he, years. <laughs> did the other one hate you for not choosing them? Uh, maybe. Did, did you ruin a friendship? A re- rejection. They were cousins. And you, did you ruin a I don't friendship? Know. I don't know. Probably. But that's, I do remember it in fourth grade. Miss Watkins. Lafayette Elementary. Like, why do I think about that? When that just came to me while we, while we were talking about this, crazy. All right, let's get into the episode. <laughs> we're moving on. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about some good things. Talking about, you know, last week the misunderstanding of milk and meat. I've actually had some good conversations with a couple of people from that conver- from that podcast. Then what is sound doctrine? Episode one seventeen, and then one sixteen. What is a false teacher? And usually, when you talk about what is a false teacher, false teacher, people feel like they have the need to warn others about false teacher or to correct false teachers. And we really talked about this idea that when you are in a state of accusation, especially accusing people you don't know, that's the spirit of antichrist. And so when you address that it's not your job to correct false teachers or to warn people about false teachers, it's simply your job to show people Jesus and love people well, then you always get another question which we want to dive in today. And the question is, but aren't I supposed to judge fellow Christians and judge others? And the answer is yes and no. And we're going to unpack the scripture verses. We actually talked a lot about judgment, and I want to reiterate this up front. We'll reiterate it again at the end. Yep. Episode number 63 in our Cow Tipping series, we talk a lot about God's judgment and what that actually is according to scripture. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But there's two things that need to happen when we talk about judgment, and we're going to unpack this today, but I want to say it up front. We'll say it throughout. We'll say it at the end is confrontation without a relationship is counterproductive. When was the last time you listened to somebody criticize you when you didn't have a relationship with them? That you didn't know them. So what makes you think that your criticism of other people, even if it's in the name of, oh, I'm just calling out false teachers or or, I'm judging or I'm, I'm putting them in their place or correcting them. If there is no relationship, your confrontation is wrong. Even if the confrontation in and of itself is right, you're wrong. And the second one is this, is judgment, which we will unpack today, always comes with restoration. Healthy judgment 
requires a relationship and requires an intention of restoration, not retribution. Yeah. And that is a big misunderstanding within the church. Absolutely. Judgment is restorative, not punitive. Love it. And so the first response we usually get from church folk when we talk about judgment and proper judgment, uh, especially leaders, when we challenge leaders to be less critical, they'll oftentimes say, but the Bible says that I should judge my brothers and sisters in the church, which it does, but we're going to unpack the context in this. And so let's take a deeper dive into some of these scriptures. And there are several scriptures that we're going to actually hit today and bring out this context of proper judgment and exactly what we're talking about. But the first one we find is in Matthew chapter 18. There's three verses there, verses 15 through 17. I'm just going to read it and then let's just unpack it. Mm -hmm. Matthew records this. If your brothers or sisters sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. It sounds pretty dicey right off the bat. It does. So let's kind of break this down into kind of four sections. First off, this is the passage that many people are quoted when they say, when two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. Well, they usually do it during worship services or prayer gatherings to express the fact that God is among us. Now, truth be told, it doesn't matter that there or if there are two or three or a thousand or just one, God's presence is in us. So if there is only you, God is still present. Hmm. So the context of this verse has to deal with church discipline, not the presence of God when two people are gathered. So secondly, in some original manuscripts, as well as in the original Greek, it reveals to us that it should read, if your brother or sister sins against you, meaning you have to have some type of relationship with this person for them to have the ability to direct uh, their intention of how you wrong them. And so this is someone that you personally know and you do life with, not someone you know of, Hmm. right? This is not some pastor you've heard on the internet. Therefore you feel the right to correct them on social media, right? This is about a private confrontational conversation with the goal of, like we mentioned earlier, reconciliation, restoration, meaning the conversation should be done with love, grace, grace, and respect. Third in verse 17, it says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. So to tell the church doesn't mean to kick them out, shame them, or gossip to others about what this person did. To tell the church means to tell the people to love them more, hmm. offer more grace, more forgiveness, more love, right? This is a calling to make sure we as people who represent, well, one, Jesus, and we are the church, we're actually creating a safe place for people to grow outside of a preconceived spiritual timeline, meaning hmm. Let's allow people to grow grow at their own speed and in their own process with the Spirit. Hmm. And then lastly, to treat someone as a pagan or a tax collector. Let's focus on this because many people hear that and they're like, oh, they were known as sinners or they worship a different God. We should stay away. We should run away from them. But to treat someone as a pagan or tax collector is to treat someone as if you didn't know their sin. In other words, 
how would you treat a sinner if you didn't know them? Hmm. Hopefully with love and grace. Remember, Jesus loved pagans and tax collectors, for they were considered the worst types of people in his day. Think about the amazing irony of who even wrote this section of scripture. Did it cross your mind that the person who wrote the book of Matthew, he was a tax collector before Jesus redeemed him, called him, and spoke life over him? Hmm. So this is a call on our lives to love those that hurt us, especially people we know. This thought process brings a whole new revelation of loving your enemies. Yeah, because technically you don't have any enemies unless you allow them to become that. Yep. So the concept of Matthew is to have a private confrontational conversation with someone. And in order to do that, you have to have a relationship yep. with them. And, and they have with to love and grace, love and grace. And they have to wrong you personally. Yeah. Ironic. So let's get to a good one. John 7 verse 24 it says this. Stop judging by mere appearances. Rather judge correctly. See, there it is, the verse that so allows me to, to judge, judge, which is good. I'm glad you picked that up. But context is key. Jesus here is teaching in John chapter 7, and he's teaching at the temple courts during the Feast of Tabernacles. This was the last of the seven feasts celebrated in the Jewish culture. It also took place before winter, when hopefully rain would come to water the crops in the spring. During this feast, religious leaders would teach on the significance of water, Again, rain, provision, thirst, etc. All imagery of Jesus. And at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, the high priest would pour a pitcher of wine and a pitcher of water together over the altar while the crowd would chant Hosanna, which means God save us. So the purpose of this was to cry out to God to save them from drought, not from eternal punishment or whatever we try to think they were talking about in the first century. Why is this important? Because in John seven thirty seven to 38, Jesus tells the crowd of Jewish leaders, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, that, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This happened at the end of the feast, and it caused division among the leaders. Half of them wanted to seize Jesus. The others believed him to be the Messiah. Again, Corey, why is this important? It's important because when Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead to judge correctly, He is speaking in the middle of the feast at the temple courts to Jewish leaders, leaders who have judged him incorrectly. See the irony there? These leaders were upset because Jesus broke the Mosaic law by healing a man on the Sabbath. They were mad over religious bullcrap, and Jesus confronted them personally. This happened face to face. Jesus knew these leaders. He had taught with them for three years. Besides, who gets mad over a miracle? He let those leaders, he let these leaders know that they should stop hurting people in the name of religion. They were judging according to the law, something they were not bound by then and something they're not bound by today. In other words, they should have stopped worrying about things that didn't really matter. And if Jesus told these people to judge correctly, then there is a way to judge incorrectly, which oftentimes happens within the church. So if you can make right judgments, you can also make wrong judgments. And Jesus wants you and I to fight battles worth fighting not to cause division over petty issues and personal preference. Remember, the context of judgment in the scriptures when it calls us to judge our brothers and sisters correctly, there requires two things, mutual relationship and the goal of restoration, which oftentimes isn't the case when people like to throw these verses out and say, oh, I'm supposed to judge you. Hmm. So in this, in this instance, what you're saying is Jesus was getting on the Jewish leaders of the day for uh, judging by mere appearance, meaning that they were judging the appearance that he apparently broke one of the laws. Yeah. So instead of doing that, judge correctly, like judge bringing 
grace and love and healing yeah. to this person that you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah. Basically. Their judgment should have been celebration because right. someone got healed. Right. But instead their judgment was this guy was doing something wrong according to their book of the law. Yeah. Which we could go into a whole lot of conversation around how many times do people use the Bible as a weapon to bring judgments towards people they're supposed to be loving and restoring with their words. Yep. And that's judging by mere appearance. Hmm. That's what that means. That's, yep. a, that's so good. Yeah. So let's just unpack another one. First Corinthians chapter five, verse 12. This is what uh, is written. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? And again, See, Pastor Corey, right here, we're supposed to judge those inside, meaning our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the authority to do this. So here we go. Are you ready for this? So there is craziness happening in the church in Corinth. For example, in this chapter, Paul is addressing a case of incest. So crazy, right? He's dealing with some dude sleeping with his dad's wife. Now, we don't know if it's his mom or his stepmom, but either way, it is weird and let's just say gross. Pause. <laughs> Can we like understand what is going on right now in this right. context? And this okay. is within the church context. Within the church, yes. Um, so that is the context of this conversation. And Paul was dealing with how to go about church discipline for actions of sexual immorality. So yes, it required confrontation, but he was also very graceful. He says something in verse five that a lot of people misunderstand. He says, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. So this was a redemptive figure of speech in this culture. It's also used in first, first Timothy chapter one, verse 20. Uh, it means that sometimes we are to let people live with the consequences of their choices, knowing the misery they find themselves in will actually get their attention. Yeah. So this brings us back now to verse 12 and what was said. So first we can expect non-believers to act like believers. So don't be someone who gets surprised by people when they live worldly, mm -hmm. right? The sins of people should not shock us. And then I know with you in student ministry, I know one thing you've kind of taught me and kind of our church, like don't be shocked when students come to you with stuff mm -hmm. like they're students, they're figuring life out. And yeah, sometimes they get into some crazy things. Right. But we were all there. And so we need to be unshockable and unshakable people. Yeah. Facts. Because people are messy and they do messy things. <laughs> um, Clearly. Let me just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so God's grace and mercy have a hard time showing up when there's judgment. So the church actually needs to be a safe place if it wants to be a place known by grace and actually makes an impact in people's lives. Hmm. So second, we are to judge right? The verse says those inside the church, but that also assumes again, that we have a relationship with those people, right? Right. Paul had a big problem with, with this dude's friends and his circle because they were proud and boasted the fact that he was sleeping with his mom or stepmom. So as Christians though, we are to hold each other accountable, but accountability, again, that mutual relationship that you said in the beginning, yeah. it's a two way street. So to have the right to correct someone, you have to have a voice in their life. Again, this requires some kind of relationship. That does not mean that you can, you know, hold whatever mega church pastor accountable that you follow on social media and you want to try to bring correction to him. That mm -hmm. is not your job. And I promise he or she has people in their life for that very thing. They're probably having conversations, maybe around some things that you see and you bring up 
they're processing through it. And if they don't, it's not your concern. You don't have right. a relationship with them. Right. So confronting someone you don't know or someone who hasn't given you a voice in their life often makes the situation worse. Hmm. You ba- Basically, you probably heap shame and condemnation on these people. Hmm. So if we were as concerned about our own impact as we are about what other people say or do, man, I'm telling you, the world would be such a different place. Facts. And so really it goes back to relationship is what we're trying to establish in every single one of these verses. Yeah. Okay. Two more. Second Corinthians two verses five through eight. I'm actually going to read it in the message version because I think it paints a better picture for us in the 21st century. It says this, Paul speaking again to the church in Corinth. Now regarding the one who started all this, this person in question who caused all this pain, I want you to know that I am not the one injured in it as much as in this, as much as with a few exceptions, all of you. So I don't want to come down too hard. What the majority of you agreed to as punishment is punishment enough. Now is the time to forgive this man and help him back on his feet. If all of if all you do is pour on the guilt, you could very well drown him in it. My counsel now is to pour on the love. Again, th- this is the church in Corinth is dealing with a whole lot of issues in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. They're asking Paul questions. He's giving responses. This passage is honestly pretty self-explanatory, and far too often— We want to keep people trapped in the prison of their past mistakes. And I like the imagery that is used in this message version in in these specific verses because the consequences are the reality of poor life decisions. Mm -hmm. We can either hold people underwater or be the hand they need that pulls them back up to a place of redemption. Let's be people that help others back to their feet because it's far too easy to pour on the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation. And let's be people who pour on love and grace. So again... Every place where there is judgment, there is a goal of restoration, but there's always relationship. And I personally think it is 100% wrong for you to call somebody out that you don't have a two-way mutual relationship, which means in our life, I have a handful of guys that have access to my life that call me out on a regular basis. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I disagree. The ones I disagree with, I ask multiple people. And usually it's you. You have a lot of the final say. Be like, "You, you know what, Corey? You should probably really look at that. And because I value your voice, oftentimes change happens in my life. But Joe Schmo, who doesn't even know me, always, even if I'm wrong, it makes it worse because there's no relationship. I don't know that he's trying to help me. It just comes off as criticism because there's not a two-way relationship. Right. And that is judging incorrectly, at least according to scripture. Yeah. And let's just stay on this real quick. And I know we're closing this episode down, but this idea of judgment. So first John, right? You can read that and it talks about how as Jesus is, we are now in the world. So we're to be Jesus to people that we encounter. As we develop these friendships, we have to keep that in mind because let's just think about this. For the record, John chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, Hmm. but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, to Jesus. He now has all the judgment. But let's move a little bit forward. John chapter 12 Verse 47 says, as for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, Jesus says, I do not judge them for I have not come to judge the world, but to redeem it. Hmm. And so I know, um, an author, Michael Harden, he actually explains it this way. He says, Jesus certainly talks about judgment, but not in the manner in which Christians for almost two millennia have done our views on the final judgment. owe more to Jewish apocalyptic imagination medieval Christian speculation and our own desire to see retributive justice 
than they do the way of judgment is conceived in the Gospels, which is to cast judgments of love. Mm, yeah. And we talked a lot about John five twenty two in our episode 63 on cow tipping about God judgment and what God's judgment looks like. I just want to go back to John five twenty two real quick and help you understand real quick, even though we do that in the yeah. episode, and I want you to go back. The Father judges no one. That's Scripture. That's what he says. So people are always like, well, the Father is just going to judge him. Yeah, only God can judge me. Only people God get tattoos of it. Right. <laughs> but the Scripture literally says the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Well, when did judgment happen? Yep. Through Jesus. It happened at the cross. cross. And he didn't judge humanity guilty. He judged humanity innocent. And judged them forgiven. Forgiven. Yep. Never, never guilty. So guess what God's judgment is over your life? You're loved. You're valued, you're better than you think you are, you're holy, you're righteous. All the words that many people in the church refuse to actually believe because they think they have to earn it, but they're gifts given to you by Jesus. So what better way than to walk in true judgment? And you know what true judgment is? Restoring value where there is no value. Yeah. That's your job as a Christian, restoring value where there is no value because you recognize that you're valuable in Christ. Yep, and that happens through the avenue of relationship. So the challenge after hearing a podcast like that is to start developing deep relationships with the people in your life, and then you'll have that voice to bring, like you talked about earlier, some accountability, but also mostly in their life, you can be someone who um, builds up value and esteems them highly the way that they should be esteemed. Yeah. So yes, you should be judging others, but you should be judging them correctly according to Jesus by bringing value to where there's no value. There we go. Just know above all else, you are loved and there's nothing you can do about it.